Welcome back to the Ten Blocks Podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining me on today's show is Stephen Ide. He's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a contributing editor of City Journal. He's been on the podcast before. He researches homelessness, mental health issues, and other social problems, uh, and, and does so in a very, very informed way. This month, he published a Manhattan Institute report on crime and mental illness in New York City, and he's recently written several pieces for City Journal on what the city's new mayor, Eric Adams, can do to help ameliorate the city's homelessness problem. So, Steve, thanks very much for being back on the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Um, last week, uh, Mayor Adams released a new subway safety plan. It was designed or is designed to address homelessness and crime in the city's transit system, which has become a big problem. Under the plan, the city will deploy teams of police and social workers on the subways. Uh, they, they plan to increase social services outreach and reinstate a policy that will require all passengers to exit trains at the end of the line. So it seems, at least on paper, uh, to be a good start. Would you would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, early days yet with the Adams administration and these, you know, homelessness, mental illness related public disorder challenges have vexed mayors going back for decades by this point. Um, you know, sincere efforts were made under, for example, the Koch administration to do something about this. We can't say that they succeeded in a permanent way. Um, but I would say, particularly in contrast to the out to the former de Blasio administration, you know, he really seems focused on problems such as serious mental illness um, in a way that seems encouraging to me personally. So at the moment, I would say I'm I'm hopeful. Now, you know, during uh, Adams's predecessors, uh, Bill de Blasio's tenure as mayor, uh, city officials seemed to think that they could solve the homelessness issue basically by spending more on it, throwing money at it. And as you wrote in City Journal, viewed scrutiny with, with a kind of luxury. Um, a New York Post analysis estimated that the de Blasio administration paid, I think, over $4 billion to homeless service providers and that the records were, were questionable at best. So as a result, a wave of kind of corruption also um, swept homelessness services. There were a lot of reports about this. So, so what can the Adams administration do to you know, uh, tackle this more prudently from the standpoint of government contracts and better oversight? Uh, and spending money in a more efficient way. Yeah, you know, when we talk about homelessness, uh, mental illness, that's a package of problems. There's disorder, there's violence. Um, there's also corruption when it seems to be the case, and we've had a lot of experience with this going back to the 60s and the scandals related to community action programs, the poverty, so-called poverty pimp scandals. Um, Tom Wolf wrote a book called Mao Maoing the Flat Catchers, about this stuff. Um, when government ramps up spending on social services very rapidly, um, there's a temptation for outcomes to be overlooked and corruption, self-interest to um, 
to really um, take control. And, you know, based upon coverage, based upon oversight uh, by some state authorities, lawsuits filed, there was a lot of corruption in homeless services um, towards the end of the de Blasio era. Um, so, you know, this is this really does a lot to, I think, delegitimize the, the social services system. If you think that we need to be investing more, then, you know, you're not going to have as much public support for that. If people think it's going to, you know, essentially line the pockets of some providers. I don't know how much of a priority this is for the, administra- the Adams administration, um, but I definitely think that it deserves more a closer a closer look from um, from city officials um, than it received during de Blasio's second term. Um, we'll come back to de Blasio in a minute uh, to talk uh, a bit about your your new report. But in terms of current homelessness policy, there's been action on the state level too. Uh, so you, you know we have a new governor here in New York, Governor uh, Kathy Hochul, and she recently announced a $27.5 million investment in inpatient psychiatric care, which will fund more than 600 psychiatric beds in general hospitals. So since the 70s, states have uh, closed asylums. Uh, They've cut thousands of psychiatric beds. Uh, Meantime, structural incentives in federal health care spending discourage states and localities from investing in this area or building out inpatient psychiatric capacity. So could you just give a brief overview, and this is this is obviously a, a, a big topic, uh, a brief overview, though, of how deinstitutionalization has, has really created massive problems in New York. And will Hochul's new investment of slightly under $30 million be enough to reverse the trend, or, or do we need to do a lot more? Well, the traditional asylum system or system of mental institutions that was initially targeted by what we now call the deinstitution of mentally of the mentally ill um, were massive specialized psychiatric hospitals run by state governments um, over the decades, beginning in the fifties, but really hitting an accelerated pace in the nineteen seventies. State governments in New York and elsewhere cut lots of beds and also co- closed facilities um, in hopes that you know people with serious mental illness would receive better treatment in community-based modes of care. Beginning in the in the 80s with the advent of modern homelessness, there's always been a debate over whether or not that went too far. That was an overcorrection. Um, we now have this problem of a very large number of seriously mentally ill people in jails and prisons, which didn't seem to be a pressing social challenge back in the 1950s so, and so 60s. The, the prisons and jails have become kind of de facto asylum. Yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't seem like we had this was a major topic of debate, like what to do about seriously mentally ill people on Rikers Island back when we had very large psychiatric hospitals. So it seems like what happened was this trans institutionalization and also putting people, quote unquote, in the community and, and for all practical purposes meant um, putting them into in the street. That's what the, the streets are, what the community, that's what form that took. Um, so yeah, uh, so, so then, um, but, and that, that has continued to pace. Like pe- we've been debating it. People have been concerned about it. We've been calling for some sort of a revival of the asylum system, but state governments have kept cutting beds. 
And Cuomo never really got as much criticism for this as he deserved. All the focus on mental health was on de Blasio because de Blasio made this grandiose plan claim that he was going to, you know, solve the mental health crisis with Thrive NYC. He didn't. And all the criticism went to him. More of it should have gone to Cuomo for cutting psychiatric inpatient psychiatric care beds. What Hochul is trying to do, um, you know, in the case of Hochul, I'm sort of you know, she's a mystery to me in a lot of ways, like I think is the case with, with other people. So what I'm go- trying to go by now is just on this particular issue, judge her against her successor, um, who set, in my view, a low bar as far as inpatient psychiatric care goes. And, um, you know, she's taken modest steps to stabilize psychiatric care. beds. This is an effort that you mentioned, this investment in inpatient psychiatric care, not focused at the moment on the state system, um, but focused in general hospitals, psychiatric care beds in general hospitals. Um, and so they're going to up the Medicaid reimbursement rate to, to motivate hospitals to provide more inpatient psychiatric care. So again, I think it's it's an encouraging step, a step in the right direction. Yes, more will have to be done. But right now, um, you know, I'm really glad to see it. Uh, do, do, you know, in your view, do we need to reconstitute something like uh, a modernized asylum system? Do we need more, you know, something more akin to what was was replaced with deinstitutionalization? Well, I definitely think we need to start building back um, the stock of beds that we lost, both in general hospitals and in specialized psychiatric facilities. Um, we also, some people clearly, you know, need more than a few days to be stabilized, which is what a lot of people get in a hospital setting. Um, that's, you know, for various reasons, we need to be exploring that. But, the, you know, just the, the pendulum has just swung so far that, you know, something like, you know, restoring the system that we had in the 1950s is not even realistic to to contemplate at the moment. You know, so we start need to start just thinking about how we re- reverse the wrong-headed um, fiscal incentives in, the, in systems like Medicaid, you know, and just start like, you know, affirming our commitment to the idea that inpatient psychiatric care is a vital intervention that is life-saving, stabilizes people. Um, it's not the same as sending someone to jail or prison. Um, and we need to just sort of affirm that commitment um, and start, you know, adjusting policies accordingly. A lot of the problem with many of the psychotic homeless um, is that they've gone off medication, right? Yeah. You know, you know, what you do to stabilize someone with a serious mental illness like schizophrenia can, you know, it's a complicated question. It's, it's, um, it's going to have to be taken on a case by case basis, even when you're talking about people with the same diagnosis. Um, but one thing that people say, but medication will, would have to be part of the package for anybody, especially someone who we see involved in these, you know, gruesome incidents in the subway, one thing people say about inpatient-based care is that um, it takes a while to figure out what sort of medication um, regimen is going to work with somebody. Um, it's not something that you can figure out within just you know a day or two, 72 hours. So you need to really work with that and figure out what's you know what's going to keep somebody stabilized, you know, relieve alleviate their symptoms. Um, because for some people, that the the kind of patience that's going to be needed to figure out the right medication regimen um, is not going is just not practical to to you know to make that work outside of a hospital. It really needs to happen inside of a hospital. Um, let's come 
go back to uh, the de Blasio years and uh, talk about your recent report for the, the Manhattan Institute, which looks at de Blasio's overall legacy on, on crime and homelessness. So during his two terms as mayor of the city, um, the you know the number of mentally ill people in jail fell, uh, but the number of seriously mentally ill homeless adults in the city went up. And in 2015, uh, de Blasio launched this program you mentioned earlier, Thrive New York City or Thrive NYC. It was a kind of community mental health initiative, initiative uh, with a goal of providing comprehensive health services, mental health services to homeless New Yorkers. So could you describe, um, I know you're, you're a, a fierce critic of that program, but could, could you describe you know, what have been the ups and downs of the de Blasio efforts to address homelessness, and then maybe say a bit about uh, Thrive NYC and, and what you know, Adams' position should be regarding these programs? Yeah, well, focusing especially on the sort of mental illness angle of all of this crime and homelessness kind of package of issues, you know, what de Blasio and, you know, his allied policymakers at the state and local level did throughout his two terms, was it was kind of a wish list of progressive priorities. I mean, anything, you know, we've been talking about these problems of mental illness related you know, crime and homelessness for many, many years. What are we going to do about it? Well, all the things that people would want to do, um, you know, many, many of them were done. You know, the 2010s, it was just, you know, um, a, a long stream of, you know, policy wins from the progressive perspective. Um, and focusing on, you know, one particularly important measure, the number of seriously mentally ill people in jail, well, there are far fewer people um with serious mental illness in jail in New York City right now than during the early de Blasio years. But that's mostly because there are fewer men, fewer people in jail, period, because of, to some extent, the crime reduction. But the many, but bail reform and related progressive reforms to just keep people out of jail. That's what it means to succeed in criminal justice reform, fewer people in jail. The rate of serious mental illness is just as high as ever. It's this, you know, 15 to 20% rate that's been with us for a very long time. You find it everywhere across the country, even in very non-progressive jurisdictions. So what that means to me is that the, you know, the policies and interventions that were really targeting the mental illness, the problem of mentally ill offenders, trying to keep them out of jail because jail's no place for a person with schizophrenia, etc., those don't seem to have worked very much. Um, so you can release a lot of people from jail. We've learned that. But what happens when they're not in jail? And I think that to some degree, the violence and disorder on the streets and subways um, is likely the result of that. Uh, how much, in your view, has the experience in the city of the pandemic um, aggravated some of these problems? Well, I... <laughs> The homeless, there was a big controversy over um, what to do about the homeless population in shelters um, during the first, especially the pre-vaccine era of the pandemic that caused a lot of disturbance in neighborhoods, um, really um, created a lot of just, just ugly just controversies in places like the Upper West Side, 
previously harmonious neighborhoods became um, just at each other's throats over these arguments over hotel siting. Um, to hotel being places that were being used to to house uh, homeless people, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, the situation on the subways, I think most people would say has gotten worse in terms of the level of disorder. It was very bad in the early months when the subways, even more than before, were turned over, turned into daytime homeless shelters. The city, the transit authorities, the city has tried to make efforts to do something about that, but, you know, ridership is still um, below where we would like it to be. Um, and, you know, I, it, I don't think it's just like tabloid hysteria, you could say at this point, that is, you know, contributing to fears amongst people who don't want to be on the subways. Um, so, um, and these the disorder, the violence, um, um, you know, a very large proportion of it, depending on what type of incident you're talking about, like pushing is probably all of it, Um is as a result of our inability to stabilize people with very serious mental illnesses. Um, you know, my impression is that this is this is picked up, and I think that there is, um, to some degree, um, you know, government data that supports the idea that there are more people just out, um, not receiving any type of treatment or supervision. Um, and this is, you know, something that if we really need to, you know, return systems like subways to a more stable condition, we really need to do something about it. Uh, so, but I, I asked about uh, Thrive New York City and yeah, uh, uh, just just a bit on that. Uh, you, you know, you were an early critic of it and, and how much of that uh, program is going to remain in place uh, during the Adams administration and how much of that is just gone with de Blasio? Yeah, well, again, you know, so New York City... Be- Bloomberg, and this is the case with many, you know, systems, you know, New York was, Bloomberg was not some sort of like skinflint mayor, okay? Like New York City has always had a very robust social services and mental health care system. So de Blasio was beginning with a big system, you know, lots of spending, lots of programs, but he said it wasn't effective. It wasn't what it needed to be. So he was really going to become like, you know, to some extent, the mental health mayor. He really wanted to own mental health, make New York City an exemplar of for mental health care. Um, and so he, you know, put out this program, Thrive NYC, that that had a very that was announced as kind of a trying to do for smoking, trying to do for mental health what Bloomberg did for smoking. That is a public health approach, a public health approach to mental health meaning especially prevention. We're going to prevent serious mental illnesses from developing. We're going to go upstream. So we're going to focus on various disorders like anxiety, depression, that maybe don't look as serious right now, but because they're afflicting teens, because they're, you know, these are disorders that are in their early stages, they're going to become serious down, down the road. But enormous, so this, this is a very well-funded program because it had so much mayoral support. De Blasio put his wife, Shirlene McRae, um, in charge, partly because they were priming her for a future political run that never materialized. Um, but so it was always like, well, are we going to prevent these disorders? We're going to, you know, we're going to move upstream from serious mental illness. At the end of the day, nothing's ever seemed to be done about serious mental illness. 
And though it took years to develop, you know, we at the Manhattan Institute, but many other city officials and, you know, lots and lots of Democrats, you know, began to take notice that the situation on the streets with homelessness, with the jails, just didn't seem to be getting any better, which is what you would have expected if we were going to succeed at preventing serious mental illness. Uh, but um, though it was it re- was really hit hard by lots of criticisms, they rebranded it, they got rid of the name Thrive NYC. Um, the funding, which was two, 200 to 250 million, was never cut. And in fact, it continued to increase right up to the end of the de Blasio era. Um, the future of the program um, is uncertain. Technically, it still exists as I think it's called the, the Mayor's Office of Community Mental Health. Um so um, that's it's kind of this package of community-based programs that Mayor Adams will have to decide what he wants to do with. There's probably something you could do with it if you wanted to really use some of that to focus on serious mental illness, because community-based programs certainly can benefit seriously mentally ill people in important ways. Um, but, you know, what Adams does with that, as well as in other questions, will send an important signal as to how much we really things really have changed from the, um, you know, really misbegotten approach of the de Blasio era. Um, a final question, Stephen, um, just about where in, in, in other municipalities uh, you might be seeing uh, more effective approaches to the home, homeless problem taking place. Now, there does seem to be a, a big difference between what's going on in, say, San Francisco and what's going on in San Diego? They're, they they just seem to have different approaches and different levels of the problem. So, so what's what's your sense of that? Is there any model out there for for best practices when it comes to homelessness policy? Well, when you're talking about like like for example, street homelessness in New York City, that's street homelessness is not. It's really like subway homelessness, especially. Um, I don't know of an example of a city that is allowed the problem to swell to the crisis proportions seen in like San Francisco and then gotten it way back under control. You know, the real best approach is just to not let it get out of control to begin with. And I think you have seen that to some degree in Western cities, such as Austin um, and in, um, and I think it was Denver, Colorado, who um, had the opportunity to sort of green light more street um, um, encampments um, but the voters like really resoundingly voted against that because, you know, people understand that they don't want Austin to go down the route of San Francisco and L.A. So that's really, you know, what I see in terms of effective policies. Um, you know, San Diego, look, it looks to have been more successful than than its peers. But um, but, you know, you do you re- are looking for, I think, you know, years of progress um, to undo the damage. And, um, you know, in California, everything is so regional and everything seems so chaotic. San Diego is a situation that I'm sort of taking more of a wait and see approach and see how much they can sustain that progr- progress over a few years. Um, but, you know, I mean, San Francisco and LA, it's, it's just sometimes it's, yeah. I mean, what is a realistic standard for success at this point? All right. Well, well, thank you very much, uh, Stephen Ide. Uh, you have a book coming out called Homelessness in America. When is that published? Um, it looks like it's going to be coming out in May. Okay. Well, we'll be sure to have you back on uh, 10 Blocks to talk about the book, which which uh, really is a kind of comprehensive history of the homelessness problem in America. 
Um, I think it'll be a very important um, contribution to the, the debate over this issue. Uh, don't forget to check out Stephen Ide's work on the City Journal website. That's www.city-journal.org. We'll link to his author page in the description. You can also find City Journal on Twitter at City Journal and on Instagram at City Journal underscore MI. And if you like what you've heard on today's podcast, please give us a ratings on iTunes. So, uh, Steve, uh, thanks very much. It's great to talk with you as always. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.